Hey there, adventurer. I appreciate you taking the time to do an investigation check and dig into the archives of the show. I wanted to let you know that this is an old episode back when the show was called The Hard Thing Podcast. The topics are still the same, though the format and some of the names are different. If instead you are coming back to The Hard Thing Podcast, well, surprise, we changed our name and some of our branding. Feel free to hang out in the archives and listen to all the wonderful old episodes of The Hard Thing Podcast or take on a new adventure by listening to some of our current episodes. Either way, happy adventuring. And then yeah. I googled US UK equivalent to the Navy SEALs. So then it said the SAS, the British Special Armed Forces. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. Then I yeah. th then then I had another light bulb moment. I thought, oh, apply to the British Special Forces, apply to the SAS. Wow. So then I, I Googled that and then I began quickly scrolling <clears> through <throat> and I found a form and I was like, Oh, I, I read through the eligibility very quickly. And then I thought, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to apply to the special forces. So then about an hour and a half later, I filled out the form, went to bed, forgot about it. No, actually, in fact, I did two applications <laughs> at the same time. I was like, oh, what else is some, some cool stuff? And I then started reading up on, oh, I was like, there's this spy shit. And I was like, oh, what's James Bond? And I was like, oh, MI6, Her Majesty's Secret Service. So I thought, oh, <laughs> apply to Her Majesty's Secret Service. So then I found I was eligible for that as well. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to apply to that as well. So I applied to both of these things. And then I went to bed, sorry, if I recall. This is the Hard Thing Podcast. Today, we are overcoming average. I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Hard Thing Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you overcome average, step up above mediocrity, all by doing hard things. I am very excited for our conversation today. Um, we have a tremendous guest on the show. And before we get into that, a couple announcements. First thing, you can do a favor for us. If you could today, just share the podcast with someone you know that would benefit from this message. Uh, I know that we can help a lot of people and the guests we're bringing on are just tremendous they're so great so if you find someone who is looking for podcasts just say hey check out the hard thing podcast as well i would recommend go to ourrescue.org and donate some time or some money to help rescue some kids from sex slavery operation underground railroad is a nonprofit organization that goes undercover to rescue these kids and the, the missions they go on are super dangerous and they're very good people uh, i've heard the founder tim ballard speak on different occasions and let me tell you, uh, he is he's one of a kind. So go to ourrescue.org, donate some time or some money, or you can go to gofundme.com slash overcoming-average, help us as a podcast raise $1,000 for OUR, and even you can go buy some t-shirts or some hoodies, all of the proceeds of which go straight towards helping us raise that $1,000. Uh, so go there. Next thing, check out bridleuphope.org. They are also a nonprofit organization that helps young girls who have suffered some sort of trauma, depression, or are just having a hard time with life. They help these girls improve their lives and live a life successfully by instilling in them the seven habits of highly effective people. We interviewed the president of the foundation, Michael Sean Covey. He is part of the family of uh, the Coveys that wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So check that out. I think it's episode three. But go to bridleuphope.org and donate some money. Help these girls live a better life. Now, let's get to today's guest. So today's guest is Deepak Shukla. He is from England. He's, he's from the UK. And uh, let me tell you, if nothing else, you will enjoy hearing him speak because his, his accent, me being American, was very fun to listen to. 
Uh, I'm a big fan of accents just because, uh, I don't know, I don't know, maybe I like impressions or something like that. But uh, Deepak is probably one of the most interesting people I've ever interviewed. So <clears throat> he is an ultra marathon runner. He also had the opportunity to backpack over 60 countries in a decade. As well, he runs the digital marketing agency Pearl Lemon. And he had an opportunity to be trained by a Georgian ex-former or former special forces sniper for a week. And uh, we talk about a lot of things and his story is just so fascinating. Uh, and, and more than anything, it's fun. So give it a listen. And I hope that you take the lessons he shares to heart today. So listen up to my conversation with Deepak Shukla. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Deepak. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Justin, thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this podcast, you know, the hard thing for yeah. uh, a little while. And I am just, yeah, um, eager to talk to the audience about some of the adventures I've had and to feedback about the things that it's given me. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, well, the first thing I wanted to talk about was uh, you've run five ultra marathons, which is something that most people uh, couldn't really ever consider doing. So I'm curious, what made you want to do that? Um, I think if I'm being honest, growing up, r running was a means of escaping mm -hmm. some of the problems. Mm -hmm. my mind of, you know, challenges I was having in my personal life. It always provided with me with, with, with such a, a powerful outlet to, to go and expend some, some energy and forget about the, the challenges I was facing in you know, my relationships and sometimes professionally as well. Right. So it was kind of what running did for me. And it was, if I'm being honest, the, the, whole, the whole move into then, you know, running's one thing. Uh, I, I, I remember going to, uh, I basically went to a, one of those personal development style weekends where mm -hmm. they talk about, you know, giving just, just the whole ethos of, of that. If for everything that we do in life, it's absolutely crucial that you give 100%, give 110% to anything that you do. Don't, don't half step, don't pussy foot, go all in. And one of the big realizations that I took away from that personal development weekend, and that was back in probably 2009, mm -hmm. was that, you know what, I've, I've been doing these runs, and I'd been doing those runs back when I was 15, 16, and the furthest I'd kind of run was like five, five, seven kilometers. And it was mm -hmm. during that actual weekend that I probably did the most instrumental thing for my my amateur running career, which was I booked in my first marathon. And mm -hmm. that first marathon, what was interesting about it was that the first marathon I ever ran, Justin, was in Chicago in the huh. States. I, I, I'd, I'd never run a marathon in the UK, let alone Europe. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have the, the, the income to, because it's not only just, of course, the marathon entry, I, right. I had to book the the, the the flight tickets I had to find accommodation and it just seemed sensible that if I was going to go all the way to Chicago that I should mm -hmm. go away with my girlfriend at the time and that meant there was two of us going so it really was a landmark moment for me because the whole process just scared the hell out of me to be honest with you dude because mm -hmm. I also previous to that trip was 
The marathon, I think, is in October in, in, in the Windy City. I think they have it around October every year. And mm-hmm. actually, I was due to be away from June, July, and August backpacking through South America. Wow. And then I'd be coming back to run this marathon. So I, <laughs> I, I, I quickly realized, dude, that I, I needed to train while I was away. I'd need to find a way to bridge the gap of having run five kilometers to running 42 kilometers, <laughs> you know, 10, almost 10 times the distance, literally almost yeah. 10 times the distance and, and training with the level of discipline that's required for someone who wants to, you know, transition such, mm-hmm. such a distance whilst I was backpacking, whilst I was out, you know, seeing the world, but partying basically in South America, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is what, 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 you know, what, what, what a, a big part of, you know, backpacking is, is about for many people. And, I, you know, you asked me, of course, about the ultra marathons, mm-hmm. but I wanted to point a spotlight upon this event because there were so many different kind of obstacles within that whole trip. The first time going away, actually internationally outside of Europe with 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 my girlfriend, the first time yeah. going away to run a marathon in North America, the first time running a marathon. And yeah. all of these kinds of unknowns kind of coupled together, like I, it, it, it was really, it really did feel like jumping off a cliff. <laughs> it, 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 it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was really um, uh, scary, exciting, but, but also it was something that I felt would better me, something that I felt would push me in ways that I could anticipate and in ways that I would not realize until you know, I was I was midway through a training run in La Paz, Bolivia, when I began <laughs> to get nosebleeds, when I was running across train tracks in Buenos Aires, Argentina, trying oh. to finish, you know, a, a 90 minute run, something I'd never done before when yeah. I was, you know, in 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 again in La Paz, but being chased around. No, in Potosi in Bolivia, ch- being chased around a construction site by what looked to be wild dogs. <laughs> So, so you know, I think that what what I what I I guess I wanna I wanna I wanna really um, communicate is is that for me, when I think about my ultra marathons, the you know, and and I've gone on to do you know, of course, a little bit longer distance than forty than the forty two kilometers. But when I do think about the answer to your question, mm-hmm. dude, it was that weekend, and it was the whole idea that you know what, if you're gonna if you're gonna do something. Whatever you're doing in your life, whatever you pick up, whether it's something that's a hobby, whether it's a professional pursuit, whether it's a relationship that you engage in, you know, for that moment that that pursuit person or object has your attention, give it your everything. Go all out. Don't hold back. And and you will just discover so much more about yourself as a consequence of that process come hell or high water and... I, I'm just really thankful that, you know, that, that, that weekend with an Australian chap who's I'm so shitty, I've forgotten his name, Justin. <laughs> really, really, like, you know, it was one of those weekends where it was the intro event and then they, they, they do an upsell and it was, it was a fabulous mm-hmm. upsell. And I, the money that I could have spent on, on, on the weekend to go to the upsell, I, I, well, actually, I, there, there was no money. In fact, I spent it all on a credit card. Company. <laughs> So, so the card, the money that I did have allocated was, you know, was for all of these these experiences. And I think that 
for me, when I think about, because I, 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 I know what I've done and you know to a degree what I've done and the audience don't know what I've done. But I think about defining moments when it comes to endurance sports mm-hmm. or endurance events and the, 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 how big of a impact it's had upon my life. And I, I've, I've got to say that, you know, that, that weekend where it, it spoke of the idea that, you know, giving 110% to everything that you do and, 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 and not holding back and seeing what's on the other side of that, I think that's always kind of stuck with me with these events. So as you can probably imagine, there have been many such circumstances that subsequently also followed that led me into also doing ultra marathons and, and, and the other things in my life. So, so that's kind of where the journey all started. Wow. Um, I'm glad you brought up the backpacking trip because I was actually going to ask about that. And now knowing that <clears throat> you... <laughs> You were training for a marathon as you were backpacking around the world. I'm interested, where did the backpacking trip originate? And uh, what did your training look like while you were, you know, sojourning? Yeah. Um, so I, so the marathon, if I recall, was October 2010. The trip at that point was a three-month trip through South America. I started mm-hmm. in Caracas, Venezuela. I remember my first night because I was doing the cheap and cheerful route that many a Europe, probably internet, many, every backpacker takes. <laughs> and I, I started off by staying at a place in Lonely Planets that was also known as being a brothel. I've actually <laughs> got it on my blog. So that was a really weird experience turning up there. I, I'd love to say it was, um, you know, the, the, the sexy kind of CD, but it was the CD without the sexy. It was just, mm-hmm. it was just horrible. But, but, um. but it started there and it finished up after three months with me flying out from Buenos Aires, which is the other side of South America. Caracas, Venezuela is at the northern tip of South America. And then Buenos Aires is towards the southern tip. And then I went through the continent of South America overland and went via bus and train, but typically bus from mm-hmm. city to city and country to country. And the, 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 the training, I, um, you know, I am very much a person who goes with the flow and mm-hmm. the, the, the flow is often the way I feel about something. So my program was, was, was quite, was, had a lot of liberalism built in. I mm-hmm. knew that there was a certain amount of hours and or miles that I wanted to clock in the lead up to going back to the UK to actually um, to make sure that I, I, I would be ready in time for, for the marathon. So what I did with that in mind was that uh, as I moved closer and closer towards the actual event, I'd just ramp up the amount of hours I'd be running, if I'm being honest, Justin. So okay. I'd be like, right, I'm going to do two hours this week. Next week, I'm going to do three hours. The week <laughs> after, I'm going to do four. And um, if, if, <laughs> if I'm being honest, that was the approach that I took. And I had for a training watch, the same watch that I wear today. I've got a Casio digital stopwatch, the one that you've seen from the 80s, 
that I still <laughs> I still wear it with me today. So I'll kind of go out onto the high street even today where I live. I'll mm-hmm. set my stopwatch and think, right, I'm going to run for an hour. Let's see where I end up. I'm going to I'm going to run 30 minutes one way, and then I'm going to run 30 minutes back. And and then that's kind of to a large degree how I've always run my runs. Yeah, I love it. I I think often people maybe overcomplicate their training programs um, when you know basically all they need to do, especially with running, all you yeah. need to do is just get outside and move your feet, and you're doing it. So yeah. I love that approach. Yeah. Um, anyways. Uh, I was curious. <clears throat> so, backpacking across South America is not something <laughs> a lot of people do. Uh, what made you want to do that? I am. Um, uh, that that <laughs> to a degree, I thought it was something that wasn't as common. And I, I guess, uh, so, uh, uh, previous to that, I'd. So I was twenty three, I think, at that mm-hmm. time that I went to South America. And and I think you're right. I I did notice when I was away that there weren't too many people that were kind of <laughs> below 25 that went to South America. It tended to somewhat be for the more mature traveler. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that what happened was that I was fortunate to begin my journey of backpacking when I was kind of 18. So fresh out of like our version of college, which is before mm-hmm. you go to university. So like high school, I guess they'd have um, in, in, in America and Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I went away for six months by myself. And, and that was a trip that's probably more typical. I did a kind of round the world thing where I hit up Southeast Asia, you know, Thailand and wow. Malaysia, Singapore. I went to Australia. I went to Fiji. I went, to, I went, I went over to, to the States. Mm-hmm. And then subsequent to that, I did some interrailing in Europe, which is where you just travel Europe via train basically and there's a ticket that you can buy that will allow you to travel via one ticket from country to country and city to city so by the time Mm -hmm. I've done those two those two trips South America felt like the next big (laughs) place of adventure if I'm being honest (laughs) yeah that makes sense kind of like whatever's left right yeah yeah exactly and you know the more that you you know as with everything the more you do the more you realize there is of the world to see and Mm -hmm. I think that if I look back on it, I mean, I, I, South America and that trip was my last great backpacking trip because then I started to move towards going away and living in countries. So when mm. I look back at my backpacking, that, that was probably the, the, the last bigger trip that I did. And, and then I kind of switched to doing smaller weekends away, a weekend mm-hmm. whilst I ran a marathon. So that was the, the, the thing that I transitioned into. So running abroad was something that has always stuck with me. I've, I've okay. run more often outside of the UK than I have inside of it. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was always a great reason to... Running, running and backpacking were some things, and this is the other thing, find ways to combine the things that you love. God, I run abroad and I do a lot of events abroad you know the, the the marathons that i've done um i think that there's maybe been 33 altogether less than five of them have been in the uk justin <laughs> yeah yeah i i i love that i i love i love seeing the world i love yeah. like meeting you know electronically but as well you know more so in person just just really can call people like you or right. whoever i meet along the, and, and and having a beer and going out and probably partying 
and <laughs> then also getting up on the Sunday and having a run for a couple of hours. That for me is heaven. I'm like, <laughs> oh wow, I can combine the things that I love. I love running. I love meeting cool people. I love going abroad. Let me do this together. And that has been and still continues to be one of my great pastimes, my man caves, my loves, my hideaways. I, I, I really, really enjoy finding a city in Europe that I've not run a marathon in before and going away and booking a weekend just by myself. My mm. girlfriend, you know, we've been in a happy relationship for six years. She came to my first few marathons, very quickly realized that she did not want to come to all of them because I do too really <laughs> many and said, you know what, go and have your man cave moment. Go and I'll stay in a hostel. I'll maybe party. I'll go and have a quiet Saturday night by myself. And then I'll get up on Sunday and I'll run and, and, and I'll be away for like one or two nights. And, you know, mm. last last year. 2019 I, I did this eight times I ran eight oh. marathons all in eight different cities and countries around Europe and I I now you know I, I started backpacking because I wanted to see the world and I now keep backpacking because I want to run <laughs> in different <laughs> spots around the world that is awesome I love what you said about combining the things that you love um, I think that's great advice for almost anything you do <clears throat> and as far as traveling goes again that's something that a lot of people you know say they want to do yeah. but few ever really do it successfully um what advice could you give to someone who is maybe trying to see more of the world but hasn't really gotten around to doing it i think that pairing up number one with someone who's got a bit more gusto in that space is good for you so, if, so, 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 listener, if you've got a friend like me and you're out in the pub, give them your credit card. <laughs> they will book it for you. They will. I will. Wire me. Email me your credit card number. I'll book your flight for you. I'll get my, I'll get my VA to do it for you. I mean, <laughs> I think that, um, you know, surrounding yourself in an appropriate environment is, is definitely big. So, so there is that, you know, emphasis of leading by example, but also, you know, taking control by example. So that's, you know, been something that has been helpful to me at times. You know, certainly mm -hmm. when I was 18, I had to get my friend because I was a little bit nervous about going away around the world by myself. So I, I, I you know, that at 18 was something that my friend assisted me with. That's number one. Number two, I think, is that, you know, it's, 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 it's also about making public proclamations so think about where or what space that you would not like to have your word you know blown up and mm -hmm. and and put, put put the word out there guys it's 2020 my resolution is to run a marathon or to book to book the marathon within the next three three weeks and you know maybe that's your resolution and maybe you tell everybody so i think that you know, and that's the interesting thing about advice, Justin. That's one of the mm -hmm. other things that I think is, is, is really interesting that there's no one set strategy or advice mm -hmm. that will work for everybody. So I've always, always been a great believer, believer in throwing mud at the wall. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just, 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 you know, there's 10 different strategies to help you get out running. Try all 10 of them. 
because the one that really gives you that aha moment actually gets you out on the road might be completely different to me. You know, my, 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 my psychology, my physiology, my anatomy, my bio, you know, my biomechanics, my environment, everyone is the sum of their individual differences as well as their environment. And, you know, the way that being around a friend who is motivated could be very, very different from me versus you because you might be a lot more trusting of your friends and maybe I'm mm -hmm. a lot more skeptical. So there's all of these nuances. So I guess the biggest piece of advice also is to actually look at the body of advice that's out there mm -hmm. and put it into a list and just try and execute each and every one of them. And if there's one that's a huge mountain, then just switch and go to the next one. Switch and just go to the next one. It's really, I think, a lot of these things about unlocking people's potential is about finding the key that fits. And, and, and I know my key because I spent so many time putting my key into wrong door locks. Quick pause on the show, guys. Again, we're talking about running, like almost always. And in running, you need the right nutrients. Otherwise, you will not be successful. We'll get the right nutrients from One Mission Nutrition. We are affiliated with them as a podcast, and they provide excellent supplements. So proteins, pre-workouts, and even green drinks. And you can get 10% off any supplement you buy today from One Mission Nutrition. Just go to allegiance.onemissionnutrition.com slash the hard thing podcast. Get all those fancy dancy nutrients you need to run successfully. And you know what? Maybe you could do an ultra marathon. You know what? No. You can do an ultra marathon, just like David Goggins, just like Deepak. Uh, so get some nutrients today. Get some supplements and help us help the podcast and help One Mission Nutrition. Go to allegiance.onemissionnutrition.com slash the hard thing podcast. Get 10% off of your order today. Now let's get back to the show. <laughs> I love that. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I don't believe that there's a silver bullet approach to anything and I think knowing yourself is is wildly important because um, when you know yourself, you know what things probably won't work. And that yeah. allows you to kind of rule out some things that you're like, yeah, I know my psychology. I'm probably not going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to fit with that specific key. Um, and it's kind of interesting because uh, oh, you were saying something. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was kind of going to switch. So you've been backpacking across 60 countries. And I think that either that was pretty good preparation or you had previous preparation because you also lived homelessly for a week in London. Um, tell us about what that was like. Oh, wow. Um, I, uh, it was, it was, it was really, really scary. <laughs> if I'm honest, Justin, I, yeah. um, it's one of those weird things that we're in some way peripherally exposed to every day, yeah. whether you see someone, you know, in the UK, we have something called The Big Issue, which is mm -hmm. a, uh, I think it's a not-for-profit magazine that's sold by people that are, you know, living in uh, or are unemployed or have basically some, some level of benefit and or are homeless. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, there's probably a similar thing that you, you, you guys have in, in, in what city, what city are you in, by the way, you're in, I'm in Utah. So I guess the city closest would be Salt Lake city. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. So in, in, in Utah at large in Salt Lake city, you know, you probably come across similar kinds of people, mm -hmm. uh, that are, are poor, destitute or otherwise. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, there's a whole space of kind of unemployment and 
just poverty in general that we watch via the media or via news headlines. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and me, like, you know, everyone else, I'm, I'm pretty good at phasing it out. If I'm being honest, like right. I, I, if you think about it, it, you recognize it as existing, but it is something that kind of fades into the background. And that was the part that was interesting for me. I wanted to understand amongst the many other things that were important to that journey of living homeless, homeless, mm-hmm. living homelessly is that I wanted to understand what it felt like to become a completely in, insignificant member of society wow. to become someone who would also fade into the background. And I think that, you know, the way that the trip was set up, I went without a mobile phone for the entire week. Mm-hmm. We're talking 2011, 2012 now. I think it was like an October. It used to get um, pretty cold at night. Mm-hmm. I went without a mobile phone. I went without any money. And I went off for, for seven, seven, well, for eight days and seven nights, basically. For mm-hmm. a full week, I just wanted to experience what it would be like to be homeless. And, you know... I, uh, it's really overwhelming when you realize that I don't know how I'm going to get my next meal mm-hmm. and you literally forget or lose touch with the more material concerns that, you know, all of us have about what am I going to have? What am I going to have for lunch today? Right. What, where am I going to go for dinner this evening? Instead of, will I eat lunch today? I wonder how I'm going to get some food this evening. And when you have to really worry about your basic necessities, about, you know, food, shelter, and safety, mm-hmm. it, it, it really, you know, flips Maslow's hierarchy of needs on its head. Because <laughs> for, you know, for most of us, we, we live or die by our, you know, our Wi-Fi or our yeah. broadband connection. And us being on, you know, Instagram or Snapchat or WhatsApp or whatever it may be, like whatever multimedia messaging platform. Mm-hmm. But when you're homeless, time, time slows down and, <laughs> and, and, and your focus is just on those things. And the people that become part of your community, it just shifts overnight. You know, it's like speaking. It's, 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 it's a little bit like, you know, only speaking French and living in a small village in Utah <laughs> and, and, and being that guy or being from Utah and going to a small village in France mm-hmm. that is absent any internet connection yep. or any phone lines. So the only way that you can engage with people is by speaking to them locally. And it's, it's really the, for me, a useful equivalent that I can draw when thinking about how does it feel? It's, it's about how alien and how disconnected you feel. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the part that was really kind of scary, uh, but also humbling to me because it, it just zeroes out all of the other concerns you have in your head. And I, um, I've got to say that the, the other thing about, these experiences is the, the the depressing thing is that we're all also at the mercy of memory and and hmm. memory is such a 
fragile and fickle thing. And, yeah. and, and the human, you know, what's interesting is we've discussed the marathons, the ultra marathons. We've discussed backpacking. We're discussing homelessness. Right. And uh, what's, what, what, what's also crazy about all of this is that it's also frightening to me how quickly I can forget. Yeah. How quickly I can move out of that small village in France and go back to being, you know, city-born mm-hmm. English-speaking Deepak who kind of lives online and kind of gets it versus, you know, as you said, being being homelessness for a week. And mm-hmm. and, and, and that's probably in, 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 in a really interesting way, but also amazing way, the, the, the vulnerability of human memory, which is why it's so important and why people continually return to this idea that you've got to keep pushing. You've got to, you've got to keep pushing the boundaries. Um, why? Because you, we all just have a tendency to forget what happened last week. Yeah. No matter, no matter what the event is, you know, they say that time heals all wounds. Time also erases all memories. I think <laughs> that's very good. I've never, I've never even considered that. And, um, that, that, you know, brings up the follow-up question. So in your opinion, how can we, um, keep experiences like this present so that we never forget um and then even another follow-up question specifically for this how could we help people in this situation yeah absolutely um i'll answer in 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 reverse i want to talk about um how you can help people in this situation um guys i think that i think that helping people in this space first begins with 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 education of yourself so mm-hmm. so 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 education can be approached in several ways again we return to one of our base structures for learning mud wall throw mud at wall and mm-hmm. and see what you know emotionally alights you there's a cognitive piece to it which is you can research a statistical evidence for homelessness or unemployment etc in your community and if that's something that emotionally hits home for you, fantastic. I would wager that for many of us, it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. The alternate layer to that is thinking about who in your network has experienced experienced it and maybe spending time with them to learn vicariously through their experiences. Mm-hmm. The third element of it is to, in absence of having anyone within your network, in absence of being motivated or inspired by reading something on Wikipedia or a local news report, reach out to local charities that, that, that support and, and offer to volunteer. I think that, you know, education and building lifelong or lasting impact comes as a consequence of feeling emotionally aligned with, with, with a journey that you're on. Because what I would want from this you know, notwithstanding the obvious, everyone can donate and, you know, subscribe to a right. charity of your choice. That's, I know that everybody knows that. And mm-hmm. I know that that's perhaps the <clears throat> advice that you're expecting. And I endorse that immediately whilst you're watching this, Google homeless charities, find a local charity and say, I'd like to donate. They'll find a way for you to be able to donate, set up a monthly subscription and, and you know, you're beginning to contribute already. And then, and then there's, there's other layers to it, and they're mm-hmm. the layers that I've just described. So I think that those are some ways that you can begin to educate yourself more to then become an advocate or speaker for the homeless 
and and then also of course do some of the practical things like subscribe and donate to a charity and and i think that you know the truth is is, is in the numbers and um mm -hmm. you know I, I i think i give money to just one charity and i probably only give about 10 pounds a month and you know here i am on your podcast talking about homelessness so the truth is even i don't do that much right <laughs> right um so it's 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 a challenging one but but there's some of the ways that i think you could first educate yourself and then you can make a decision as the best way to really help help these people i love it um i i actually you know how you said uh it wasn't the answer i was expecting i love that way more than any other thing because i think like you said you know we can all donate but i don't know if that'll uh, fix the deeper problems and I think educating people um, that's like you said where it starts just because you know you fix problems on a personal level when one person reaches out to another and I think uh, education is a great place to start so <clears throat> absolutely I know I absolutely agree Justin and I think that once you can educate yourself it then empowers you to become a, a speaker for you know uh, mm -hmm. uh, for, for these people and in that way you can impact many others and it only takes one person within your network who can then, you know, become powerful and, and your ability just, you know, increases, I think, that much more when you begin to educate yourself as opposed to being just a person who silently donates, which which many right. of us may do. And and you know what? I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. So what? You know, I can I can I can I can give five pounds a month and feel great about myself. But you probably spend yeah. five hundred pounds or five hundred bucks, you know, in the bar. On, yeah. on average over a month so you know it's 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 about you know finding ways that you know go above and beyond and quick pause guys on the show uh if you are like a lot of other americans uh you might not have read many books or if you are like some specific americans you might have a specific goal of reading more books this year i've heard a lot of people do the goal of one book a week so 52 books in uh, a year <clears throat> There's almost no better way of getting that volume of books than listening to them on Audible. So Audible offers over 180,000 titles of almost every single genre, ranging from fantasy, science fiction, personal development, everything you can think of, and it's all on audio. And you can even listen to the books at one and a half to two times, I think even three times the speed. Um, today in the interview, in the, in the conversation, we talk about David Goggins. And uh, if you want to get David Goggins' book for free, uh, I think it's called Can't Hurt Me. Uh, you can get it for free on Audible today, right now, with a free 30-day trial of Audible. Just go to audibletrial.com slash thehardthingpodcast. Again, audibletrial.com slash thehardthingpodcast. Get a free audiobook, get a free 30-day trial, and get cracking on your goal to read 52 books in a year, or just get enjoying some good book learning knowledge. But while you're doing that, let's just go back to the show. The other question that you asked was, um, how can we remember, right? It was how mm -hmm. can we yep. remember and, and reconnect with these moments? I think it's about taking it on the chin. And, and for, you know, for me, I've realized that I need to keep putting myself in places of actual discomfort and mm -hmm. into spaces that I find challenging because I feel it's become part of my life force because I have got addicted to the sense of the challenge it brings and because I do see the, the benefits in terms of the ways that it, 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 it betters me. So I guess underneath that, the, the, the answer for, for anybody, really, guys, um, 
it's 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 you know do as David Goggins does. It's volume. <laughs> it's yeah. volume. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean you need to go out and run. There's there's many many ways to stretch yourself. Okay, if you're f- afraid of public speaking, then set out to appear on ten podcasts like Justin, or you have to talk about things for an hour. You know, yeah. challenges are relative. Don't compare yourself to the next guy because you'll just depress the hell out of yourself mm-hmm. more often than not. Challenge yourself to really just be better than the guy you were yesterday. That's it. It's, 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 it's a cliche, but that's the funny thing about cliches. Cliches tend to be true. That's why yeah. they tend to stick. And, and <laughs> we should pay more heed to them. Um, that you know, I know it's a cliche, but yeah, great. It is a cliche because there's a lot of truth in these words that I'm about to speak. And many great men of many great silly and otherwise men have used them before me. But I think that, you know, repetition in this instance is, is, is truly the key. And there's nothing glamorous about it. There's nothing sexy about it. There's no silver bullet about it. It's just going out there and getting after it. I love it. Uh, repetition is a integral part of human learning. And so I love how you say volume because you know, with quantity comes quantity if you're really focusing, or quantity comes quality. Yeah. Um, one more experience I wanted to talk about before we kind of transition into some of our final questions. Um, you trained with a former sniper, a special forces sniper of the Georgian military, it looks like. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was a private military program. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, sure. So I... Um... I think it was around 2015. Mm-hmm. I just come out of a six-month stint living in Lisbon and then in Rio. So I transitioned from the kind of backpacking era into the mm-hmm. I want to live abroad era and, and kind of stop trying to see the world, quote-unquote, but rather now get to know local people and, and, and build up a sense of uh, a life. So in Lisbon, I ran my second ultramarathon, that was, I think, a uh, 120-kilometer mountain run in Madeira. Wow. <laughs> I then flew to, flew to Rio and immediately took up, wanted to take up MMA. The, I went to a local gym in Rio. No one spoke English. The only guy that did speak English was a, was a Muay Thai fighter turning pro. Mm-hmm. So seven weeks later, I had my first Muay Thai fight. Um, he he trained me, so I was out there doing the training. Yeah. And, th- and then I think I went and was looking, to be honest with you, for a new adventure. So at that time in 2014, I was Googling, and at that time, I was Googling like hardest ultramarathons you can do. Yeah. And the run in Death Valley came mm. up. And then this guy's name came up, David Goggins. Didn't know who he was, no clue. Yeah. And then my buddy was like, oh, check out this dude. He's done this run. And this run's like, uh, you know, I was reading up about the run. And I was also interested in reading up, up about this guy. I was like, oh, he seems superhuman. And I think it's it either said former or active, you know, U.S. Navy SEAL. Right. And then I, uh, at that time, if I'm being honest, Justin, I had no clue what a Navy SEAL even was. <laughs> so I was like, oh, what's a Navy SEAL? That sounds cool. So I yeah. Googled it. And then I, I saw all of this army shit. And then I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. And then yeah. I Googled US, UK equivalent to the Navy SEALs. So then it said the SAS, the British Special Armed Forces. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. Then I, yeah. th- then, then I had another light bulb moment. I thought, oh, apply to the British Special Forces, apply to the SAS. 
Wow. So then I, I Googled that and then I began quickly scrolling <coughs> through and I found a form and I was like, oh, I, I read through the eligibility very quickly. And then I thought, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to apply to the special forces. So then about an hour and a half later, I filled out the form, went to bed, forgot about it. No, actually, in fact, I did two applications <laughs> at the same time. I was like, oh, what else is some, some cool stuff? And I then started reading up on, oh, I was like, there's this spy shit. And I was like, oh, what's James Bond? And I was like, oh, MI6, Her Majesty's Secret Service. So I thought, oh, <laughs> apply to Her Majesty's Secret Service. So then I found I was eligible for that as well. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to apply to that as well. So I applied to both of these things. And then I went to bed, sorry, if I recall. That mm -hmm. was like a kind of a really random evening that started out in search of an ultramarathon, but finished with me going to bed having applied to the SAS and MI6. So I, I kind of half forgot about it and was curious to see what would happen the day after. And as it turned out, my application to the MI6 was unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. But my application, my initial entry application to the SAS was successful to go through to their initial phases of, you know, induction, testing, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I thought, hmm, I don't know anything about this shit. I don't even like I've never even thought about it in my life. I was a terrible swimmer. I never fired a rifle on a range or otherwise and mm -hmm. all of these other variations. But I did think that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fit. I think I'm fit anyway. Right. So as it turned out, I began asking around in my network. And I have a friend who is Georgian. Now, Georgia has some of the highest rates of military conscription in the world. And it's got mm -hmm. a very small population of about 3.4 or maybe 4 million. So what that means is that the average Georgian tends to have at least a couple of friends who are in the military. Mm -hmm. Now, my friend has family who are government. So then I just asked him saying, hey, man, do you know anyone who's in the Georgian Special Forces? And he said, hmm, actually, yeah, I do. I said, give, he says, give me a couple of days. So a <laughs> uh, week and a half later, I went into this weird world of starting to have conversations with these Black Ops guys from Georgia. Wow. Uh, on the behest of my friend, because a lot like the ex, um, you know, Navy SEALs who come out and they, mm -hmm. they go to whether, whether it's called Blackwater, there's a lot of kind there's a big private contractor community basically for mm -hmm. ex vets who go out and become security or go back to, you know, certain um, developing nations as actual, mm -hmm. you know, guns for hire. There's the same principle in Georgia except that there's a lot of poverty and much less money in Georgia. So that means that in my instance, because I happen to have a friend who's got family who are part of the Georgian government who is well connected, I was able to connect with, as it turns out, uh, a guy who was a former Georgian Special Forces sniper. He'd come out of oh. the military like just the year before. He was, in fact, the same age as me. I was 27 at the time. So was he. He'd been in the military since he was 19 or something. And he'd just come out after several years. And uh, that was the beginning of uh, a 10-day program that I ended up paying for to go out to Tbilisi to go train with just me and him for 10 days alone. And, Justin, it's, um, it's absolutely the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Wow. 
it blew away all of the other events that I'd done. I thought I was fit. I discovered I was not. I thought I had good mental strength. I discovered I did not. I thought I understood psychology. I, 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 I really didn't. And it, it was um, definitely a pivotal moment in my life, I think. Definitely something that has helped me recognize that, you know, for the most part, boundaries are just what's in your head and they're not really mm-hmm. out there. And, 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 and I, I, you know, it's been, that was one of the best experiences of my life, I think. Wow. That is awesome. And uh, it actually answered uh, one of my next questions, which was, what is the hardest thing you've ever done and what did you learn from it? Um, what, a, what a cool experience though. Um, yeah. So tra- transitioning to the rest of our kind of final questions, um, tell us some of the things, I know you've kind of been talking about it a little bit, but just so our guests know you kind of as a person what sort of things do you do in your free time yeah absolutely uh, so right now i guess the sport that i'm working on is that i'm training to have my first amateur boxing fight so wow. I'm, do- I'm doing that at the moment so hopefully i should be fighting at some time in in the year 2020 if i do i'll let you know dude i'll i'll get it recorded <laughs> and you can watch it on youtube that'd be awesome that'd be cool <laughs> yeah 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 so i'm just um getting a- unfortunately Unlike the Brazil, Brazil, where everything's a lot less regulated, mm-hmm. there's a lot more administration and bureaucracy in the UK. So I, 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 it's not going as fast as I would like. But that's um, mm-hmm. that is what I do in my spare time. Uh, and then outside of that, like my, my my day job is I, you know, I I work in marketing. I run mm-hmm. an agency that helps really helps businesses um, ultimately. Or well, we also help people that have a, an exciting story to tell with right. with branding themselves online. I think that's a, a, a big part of part of the reason why I do this because I practice what I preach. But, you know, one mm-hmm. of the, the things that I do like to focus on is that, you know, if people have a story to share with the world, I, I, I you know, as an agency at Pearl Lemon, we, we love trying to help people help themselves share their story with the world by getting their content out into the media, by getting them onto mm-hmm. podcasts such as such as yours and by, by, by really thinking about how they position their brand. So, so, so by day I work in marketing, helping people build more personal, more powerful personal stories and bringing it to the public. And then in my, in my spare time, I am again, continuing this journey of seeing if I can go a few rounds in the ring and seeing where that takes me. Wow. That is awesome. And I, it's, it's kind of sad we weren't able to talk about your agency because that's something that interests me uh, a lot. So uh, maybe on a, on a future podcast episode. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'd love to come back. I'd love to come back if you have me. Excellent. Uh, well, as far as what our audience can do, what are one to three action items based on our conversation that you would tell our audience to do today or this? I would say number one, get out your credit card and commit to spending a minimum of $100 on something that scares you. Doesn't even matter. It. Doesn't even matter, guys. If you don't get the value from whatever it is that you purchase, the value comes from making the purchase, and yeah. that's what that's what people often miss. And that leads me on to the second lesson, right? All scary things are valuable, regardless of the outcome, because it's doing the scary thing that's valuable, not the outcome of doing the scary thing. It's just doing the scary thing. And then the, the final thing I'd say, to connect to point one, book something on your credit card. Number two, don't worry about the end result because as long as it's a scary thing, 
you're getting a, the learning. Number three mm -hmm. is keep in mind that the more scary things that you do in life, the more that you'll position yourself for success and whatever it is that you do. I love it. I love it. It's it, it's really good advice just because, I mean, if you're scared of it, there's probably a good reason. And, uh, you know, the only way you're going to overcome it is just facing it head on. So, yeah, agree, um, completely agree. Uh, how can our audience get to know more about you, see what you're up to and support it if they if they want? Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, I've got a newsletter that I have that I hope Justin will share with you. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's on my website, dpatrickler.com forward slash 52K. Um, so dpatrickler.com forward slash 52K. I've, I've written a newsletter that goes out once every three days that's all about the random adventures that I've been on to include some of the things that we've spoken about. Mm -hmm. it's, it's once every three days. Um, I've, I've written now about probably about 80,000 words in the last two, two to three months in this newsletter. It's completely free. There's nothing about anything in there. It's just about some of this stuff. So if you're interested in personal development, backpacking, exactly what happened when I went to Georgia for these special forces events, exactly <laughs> how my first ultra marathon went, exactly how I came last in my first triathlon and had to have a police escort, exactly how you know all of these things happened, exactly what happened at that event that I went to that changed my life. It's all in the newsletter. So I'd love for you to just sign up to that completely free. It's once a day for a couple of months. That's the one thing that I think I would love for your audience to be able to use to connect with me. Excellent. Uh, I will put that link in the show notes below. Um, but thank you so much, Deepak. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Um, so many fascinating stories and you know, hopefully we can get one of these uh, another time. So. Justin, thank you so much, dude. I had a lot of fun. I'm looking forward <laughs> to coming back. Thanks. Hey, guys. Justin here. Before we get into today's show, I have one important announcement. I am trying to figure out what you want. Yeah, that's right. I want you to tell me exactly what you want from me, the podcast, what sort of resources would help you out the most as well. I want to give you an opportunity to join the email list so that way you can get updates on new episodes, bonus content, as well as a, a giveaway. So uh, go to the link in the show notes below. Uh, it's a pretty long link, so I'm not going to read it out loud. And this announcement is so important that... You will probably hear this for the foreseeable future on every single episode. So don't be surprised if you hear this message again. But in the meantime, go to that link in the show notes below. Join the mailing list as well as tell me what you want. Tell me what would help you the most and what would help you do hard things. Okay? And who knows? I might do some sort of giveaway based on how many people respond and uh, who all signs up. So stay tuned. Go to the link in the show notes below. But while you're doing that, I'm going to get to today's show. Thank you so much for listening to the show, guys. As I said, it was an amazing conversation with Deepak Shukla. Uh, I would highly encourage each of you to sign up for his newsletter. You will get some amazing insights there. Um, so, yeah, reach out to him, see what he's up to, and, and give him a follow. And hopefully you can find him on other podcasts. He is uh, looking for other podcast shows to be on. Um, Last but not least, make sure you share the podcast with someone you know who could benefit from this story. Um, really, we are trying to help as many people as we can. And I'm so grateful for you that tune in every week and, and listen to what we're up to. Uh, we really couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much and uh, 
Keep doing hard things, guys, because you will overcome average. Hey guys, one quick announcement for today's show, and you might have heard this already, even in today's episode, but uh, I have an awesome opportunity for you guys. Once in a lifetime, you have the opportunity to have dinner with myself and a covert CIA operative. That's right, an undercover spy. Uh, my guest, Andrew Bustamante, has been gracious enough to offer himself up <laughs> uh, as guest for a dinner with myself and one lucky audience member. So if you want to sign up for that, make sure you hit the link in the show notes below as well. You can go to Instagram and hit the link in my bio at the hard thing podcast. This is first come first serve and there's only one slot. So whoever signs up first will have the opportunity to come to Utah and have dinner with myself and Andrew Bustamante. It's an exciting opportunity. It's one that you'll be able to brag about to your friends of being able to sit down, having dinner with an undercover secret agent. So don't waste any time. Go ahead and sign up in the link in the show notes or go to Instagram at The Hard Thing Podcast and click the link in my bio and you'll find all the relevant information there. Uh, so look forward to having dinner with you. <laughs>